Hello everyone, welcome back to the Capsule in Conversation. I'm Natalie Anderson and this week I'm joined by actress and West End legend, the utterly delightful Jodie Prenger, as we talk shredding the boards, being tenacious and taking the odd risk. So settle down, grab a cuppa and get ready to join in with our conversation. Hello everyone, how are you all doing? I'll be honest, I'm flying by the seat of my pants and desperate to get off the lockdown merry-go-round. The homeschooling is actually killing me now. Thankfully though, there's only a few weeks left until the official summer holidays, yay! I think I'll be one of those people that actually needs a rest after all this. It strangely feels to me like it's been non-stop busy during lockdown. And someone else who's also been non-stop busy is today's wonderful special guest, the gorgeous Miss Jodie Prenger. Hello, Jodie. Oh, hello, hello, how are you? Talking about merry-go-rounds, I watched this thing on the news this morning and it was at Blackpool Pleasure Beach saying how they're going to social distance on all the rides. I just, I can't see it happening. You have to wear a face mask and then sit two behind and gloves. And it's just, anyway, so I'm great, I'm great. Not going to go on a roller coaster in the near future, but apart from that, I'm okay. For those that don't know, you and I are actually very good mates, having struck up a beautiful friendship on the set of Fat Friends the Musical. And so I'm absolutely thrilled to have you with me today as I feel like we're letting people into a little bit of you and me, except we don't have... Oh, one. I don't know. I don't know if they're <laughs> ready for that, Natalie. I don't know if the world is ready for that. Can you get banned? Can podcasts get banned? I don't well, know. <laughs> I think you'd have to put on the sticker of, um, what, what does it say? Um, explicit, explicit material. <laughs> explicit nutters. Explicit nutters. That's <laughs> it is true though, Sunset. I do forget though when I do call you sometimes and you're gorgeous little Freddie. And I was like, Auntie Jody. And I can't say the sh word or the, the I really have to kind of, you know. Right, now listen. I need a face mask. I'm not being funny, right? I'm, <laughs> the amount of times when Jodie and I get going that literally I've had to go, shh, because Freddie has been in the background. Literally, it's been hilarious at times. And she's gone, oh, sorry. And Freddie now, my son, literally does go, it's Auntie Jodie, isn't it? I go, mm. <laughs> <laughs> But going back to you, though, I mean, I'm going to sound like a proper proud mum now. You have been a star of stage and screen for over a decade, having first come to the nation's attention, winning the leading role of Nancy in the West End production of Oliver as part of the BBC's I Do Anything. You've since gone on to take centre stage in a plethora of other notable productions, including Calamity Jane, Abigail's Party, Shirley Valentine, Annie, and most recently, the National Theatre's A Taste of Honey, playing the notorious role of Helen. You've lit up our screens in candy cabs in years and years, and have held several guest spots at BBC Radio 2, and even the title of Loose Woman, following a stint on ITV's Daily Daytime show. But I know that none of this really compares to your biggest role of playing Dr. Doolittle up at the farm in Blackpool. I mean, how many animals have you got now, Jude? Oh, I've lost count. We just had three chicks born. Uh, no, technically four chicks. And then there's, there's a duck. You'll probably hear during this podcast that keeps walking by and she's sat on a load of eggs. And she basically shouts at me to feed her so she can go back and her eggs. So I've lost count, Natalie. I've lost count. I mean, you've been here. It's just a good job you don't have allergies. Let's put it that way. Seriously, I'm talking cows, chickens, ducks, dogs, cats. Dogs, cats. Oh, my. 
Uh, yeah, literally <laughs> everything. I mean, I know that you love those animals more than life. And of course, lovely Simon, Jodie's other half, who is gorgeous. But your career is what really drives you, doesn't it? I mean, take me back to the very beginning of what, what really inspired you to venture into the world of entertainment. Do you want the honest to God truth? I remember, I remember growing up in Blackpool and I remember having the honour to be in what, what is and, and was the entertainment hub of the UK at the time. And I always remember I lived in a hotel and we used to have acts that came in. And one of the first visuals, which actually there's two visuals I've got in my head. The first ever seen any kind of form of kind of variety performance, but it was a drag queen called Jackie Lester singing my boy lollipop and it was just it was fun it was just vibrant it was just quite magical to a young kid to see something like that and my my nan always used to mime to Shirley Bassey I mean she couldn't sing a note in her head but (laughs) just I think it was that fun aspect of it all and I just I enjoyed it and it's the same like you you never think that you're gonna actually get to play out your passion so I've, I've been very lucky and it's been a bumpy road and that's not just the dodgy cheap shoes I wear, but it's been kind of, a, it's been a long road to get there, but you appreciate it when you're there. I mean, so, cause you know, for a lot of people that they will just assume that you kind of, you know, you're there now, you're, you're, you're a legend in your own right. You're a West End leading lady. They, they don't remember and they don't, I suppose. You say legend or legend. <laughs> you call me legend more than us. No, you are a legend, Jordan. <laughs> Listen, this is the first time I'm going to be really lovely to you. Let me do it. I know. Do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to die now on this for decades. Yeah, you for are. decades. <laughs> But I was saying in terms of they won't know about the whole, the hard work and all those, I know, you know, I know you. And so I know that you did all the club circuits. You went out there, you did the working men's clubs. You did the full thing, performing to, you know, small crowds, intimate gigs. And again, a lot of comedy in there. And, and it's quite isolating. And if you get it wrong, that those kind of crowds are very ruthless. Uh, massively. And, and they were. It was that thing of going... I went to a small school and there was only 500 girls from the age of four right right up until 18. So for me, it was very short, kind of short-lived any opportunities to go into the acting route or go into the singing route. I mean, they've got on shows, but I played every male role going. And then I got a taste for it by going to audition for the National Theatre, not the National Musical Theatre, uh, summer school. And I got there and I was like, ah... There's other people like me, <laughs> Do you know, and it was just you know coming from a small and it, Blackpool is a small town and all said and done. I'd never really, yes, you've met other acts, obviously coming into the hotel, and yes, you've seen shows, but I'd never met other people who just got who got me, and I really enjoyed that. And I came back and I didn't, I, I openly met, I didn't want to go to London. I, I, I love my family too much, and I miss, I've missed all my animals too much. So I did a BTEC course back at home and then I started auditioning for, for the West End and just didn't get it. And my poor dad, the miles he put on his car, driving all the way to London, coming up. I remember, you'll laugh at this, one of the very, very first auditions I ever went for. And I got an agent. This was all those years ago in, in 1926. <laughs> and, um, and I got this, and I, I turned up, I got you an audition for Oh What a Night, which was a musical. I think it was touring as well. Yeah. And I turned up, and there was all like these, like these 
tiny, tiny, tiny dancers stretching the legs right behind the rail over. And I'm there just cracking my knuckles going, don't think I'm going to get this one. Oh. <laughs> But I did, like you said, do you know what, Nat? Those, those workingmen's clubs, they gave me the graft and I still sung songs from the musicals and they still wanted to sing, me to sing, you know, Hey Baby. But it was that kind of, it was a massive learning curve and I think that's what's great about this industry. I'm still learning today and I still love it today and I still appreciate where I've come from and I've still got places I want to go, so... You've got a really amazing work ethic and I know that you've got a relatively thick hey. skin. In, no, wait a minute, in, in, the, in the sense that you you get on with it. You know, you don't faff around, you you, you knuckle down, you crack on. I mean, do you, do you think it is those early years and all that struggle of going down to London, being rejected, coming back to Blackpool, you know, doing those those club circuits and really, and still having belief. Do you think it's those early years that have shaped you into just getting on with it now and really cracking on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's those early years of kind of getting heckled on stage and all that. Don't get me wrong. They, they still, it hurts but you develop a thick skin to it. You know, you get shouted at, you develop a thick skin to it. And even now, you know, when, you know, certain comments are made and you don't feel like you've done, you know, you've done the job right, it still hurts, but you've still got that fire. That's always been there. And I know you're the same now. It's that fire of going, do you know what? As tough as this day may be, as horrible as I may feel about the situation, I am going to get up and try and do better I'm going to try and just kind of strive for that next day and I think it's just always been that fire you can't explain it can you it's that it's just there it's in you and I, I it brings me on to, to your experience on I do anything I mean obviously the nation completely fell in love with you and I, I know you were literally my favorite I loved you so much but the judges to be fair were a little more hesitant about you in that role I mean did you ever lose your confidence um, because of the negativity that came from them? Yeah. Yeah, massively, like massively. I remember so much so. I remember crying to my mum and dad going, do you know what? I think they're all getting like fan mail and I've just not got nothing. And I was like, Because you don't have any, you have no idea of what the nation are doing or voting. You have no idea. So you obviously just put it on like so-and-so got three fan mails. And then, yeah, and yeah I didn't believe myself because... Uh, before going into that show, I'd kind of given up as following my dream to go to the West End. And it was only because uh, we heard it on the radio. How, how old were you then, though? At 20, 25, 25, 26. I mean, in the show, this is this is how bad. I was, I mean, I look back now, I'm thinking, oh, if I knew then what I know now. <laughs> they were calling me like too old, too fat. I mean, I wish it was, I wish I was old and as fat as I was then. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's that thing, isn't it? I wish I was as fat as the first time I thought I was fat. Is that kind of where I'm at? But it's that kind of, it was just really weird. And it was just one of those things that I never thought was going to happen. I didn't, but even towards the very end, I thought it wasn't going to happen. Cue the dogs. Cue the dogs. One second. I knew this was going to happen. Let me let, me, let, me let the hounds out. This is just Jodie's normal life, as you can hear. The dogs, oh. the chickens soon. Bear with us, guys. Bear with us. I did. I actually did warn Simon. I said, Simon, you make sure you're back because I'm doing a podcast with Natalie and I know the dogs are going to go. And <laughs> yeah. And just just cue the face when he walks by the window, the look of disgust I'll give him. <laughs> 
Oh, that's all right. I just said, this is why I explained it right at the beginning. She lives on a farm with us lots of animals. <laughs> but going, going back to that though, Jodie, as you said, you know, 25 years old, it's no age really. Um, but at that point in the industry, you know, was considered too old for the role and, you know, remarks about your appearance and all that, those kind of things. And again, every week you came out, you delivered, you even had to put up with some negativity from the judges, you know, like your Andrew Lloyd Webbers and you came out and you sold those songs. And do you think it was that grit that you learned in the clubs in the earlier days that gave you that fighting spirit to go, I'm going to prove you wrong. This is my moment. And I'm that, yeah. yeah, I think that's that thing, isn't it? You know, I've sung to an audience of 100 with about five teeth who were throwing sandwiches at me. So I was just happy to be in a lovely live studio where they look, honestly, the BBC were so good. They looked after us like royalty. But I think, Going back, looking at it, we were lucky, and I always, and it's talking about mental health as well. We were lucky in the fact that when that show aired, I'd do anything. There wasn't Twitter. I don't think there was even, I, I call it face cloth, you know, I hate it. There wasn't even Facebook uh, and there wasn't Instagram. So we didn't have that either negativity or positivity, either way, it kind of goes from the social platform. And I think. Living in the bubble we did, we really enjoyed it. Whereas now, any kind of reality-based TV show, it makes my heart sink when you just, if somebody just kind of laughs in a funny way or looks a certain way and people just go for them. I just think it's horrible. So I think my experience back then, I was so lucky and I really, really enjoyed it. It was nerve-wracking, don't get me wrong. But I do feel for people of today what they've gone through. I can only imagine going, going back then and I can only imagine some of the things that people say alongside with Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cameron going, ah, we don't want that one. I think, I don't know, it, it would have been a big test, but I'm glad I never got to have that tested on me. I mean, the the nation spoke and you did get to play that role. And, you know, as you said, how was that relationship knowing that Andrew and Cameron had made it not very clear, but they, they'd had preferences. And then you got the role yeah. voted for by the nation, by the viewing public who loved you. Was that incredibly daunting for you then to actually move into the role and own it as your own? Because you, you felt maybe second best or something? Yeah, there wasn't, there was, there was honestly, nah, that, that, the night, the actual final, there was so much going on. I was in a really weird relationship with a guy who was selling stories on me behind my back. And then I kind of, I know it was awful. And then it was just, a, I hate the word whirlwind, but it was. I can't even tell you who I spoke to on the final night. I literally went into kind of a, into a daze. So I, it was that coming out of that daze, I thought, oh, 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 I've got to, oh, oh I've got to do a show you know, at Drury Lane. And then I thought, right, now the work's going to start. And it was brilliant. I went to do a course at RADA, a Shakespearean course at RADA, which I loved. Then Cameron put me into Lay Mid for four weeks, which was absolutely hilarious and brilliant. I loved it. I loved the barricades. And then <laughs> it was good to put the graft in. Oh, I'm so, do you know, there was one that, and I do, I've told this story many times, but it was truthful. I, I know, I but I need you to tell it because it's amazing. Time. It's one of my favourite stories ever from Jodie Prenger. Please tell it. 
But sadly, Natalie, the revolve, and for people who don't know what a revolve is in theatre on a stage, it's just kind of like a big, you know, you get a, a, um, a Chinese restaurant, those big round things that you whip around in the middle and say, <laughs> right, Natalie, send us the rice over. And you turn it around, that's what it is. The Lazy Susan. And so, and a lady, is it a Lazy Susan or a Lady Susan? It's a Lazy Susan, isn't it? <laughs> Well, either way, the stage the stage turns around basically. The stage turns around. I, I couldn't get on that stage. Couldn't pull it. And obviously, it's, it's really dark. So there was one night. I got everything right. I got my harmonies right. I got just every. I hit every mark, and I was so proud of myself. Really proud of myself. And then we came on for the bows, and as I came on for the bows, I literally went flat out and there was that big that that resonating sound that splat on the on the floor and the audience all went oh and then I was like I got up and just broke or broke the fourth wall and went don't worry love I'm all right I'm all right <laughs> in the middle of the French Revolution came a Blackpool girl shouting to the audience don't worry love I'm all right oh but that's why we love yeah, you George it was brilliant memories like well you know from doing the shows you've done it they are little pockets they are your family they are a family when you're not with your family so no I had a great time absolutely I mean you know you had an amazing run as Nancy you 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 received rave reviews it was a brilliant time for you and I think as well you really proved that you had the grit, the metal, the talent. You deserved that role and it was yours and you owned it. And then obviously you've then gone on to become one of our nation's favourite leading ladies. I mean, you've taken on incredible roles such as Miss Hannigan, um, Shirley and Shirley Valentine, and most recently, obviously, Helen in A Taste of Honey, without forgetting Elsie Tanner in Coronation Street, the musical. I mean, these, these are all really... Nobody ever talks about that. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about it because of the women. You know, all of the women that you are very strong women. I mean, is it important for you to play those kind of roles and to tell those kind of women's stories? Yeah, I've always, as you, and as you surround yourself with strong women, as as you are, Natalie, but I've always, I've always been brought up with strong women and I've always been of that ilk where the women are the women and the men are scared and it's just that kind of I couldn't I don't I don't think I could play a wallflower I don't think I ever could yeah so I just I do I love strong women and I love celebrating strong women and I love supporting strong women so when you get these roles even like you know Beverly and Abigail's party she had these amazing strengths in so many ways to kind of get her through on a daily basis and, and Helen in Taste of Honey oh my god she was just she had such a tremendous kind of, again, the fire to get through and fight through another day. What was amazing about Helen, though, if no, if anyone did get to see it, and if you didn't, I mean, it was it was such an incredible role that you again really owned. But it was she was so unbelievably flawed. Like she really was. I mean, she was horrible to her daughter. She literally left her daughter on her own, swanned off with the fella down the road. But you bring these characters to life with such warmth because, yeah, I still felt for Helen. I mean, I wanted to literally rag her around and she wasn't, you know, she, she wasn't a victim. She was just so flawed, but you bring great humour and warmth to these characters as well. I mean, 
would you can would if somebody did put the role of um you know somebody who's who's quite introverted in front of you would you accept the challenge would you want to do it I, can I swear on a podcast? You can do what you like. No, I don't. Oh, you know, I don't think I would. I honestly, I don't, I don't think I would. I think it get, I think it get really bored. Do you not find though the characters you've played, the more flawed they are, they really sink into your soul. I know that sounds a bit kind of actressy, and when people talk like that, I go, oh my god, you're such a moron. But, <laughs> but it's um. It's those things of going, those flaws, they're exciting to play. They're exciting to find as well what you find in a rehearsal room or on set. When they are kind of of that ilk, they are just the sumptuous, the, the brilliant. That's another thing with you, Jode, as well, is like you love finding the levels. Do you know what I mean? You, again, you don't just go in there and go, oh, right, yeah, I, I know this. It's a carbon copy of la, 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 la. You kind of um, go... Right, okay, what other alternatives can we find here? What other choices can I make? It's very intelligent, your approach to a certain role. You know, you you will come at it from a very different angle. And I think, you know, being in the rehearsal room with you, it's brilliant to see, and you have natural humour anyway. I mean, you're so bloody funny. But you're willing to put the work in. And I do find that there's a lot of performers out there that do get very lazy. And, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody and not naming any names or anything, but there are there are certain performers who will rest on their laurels and rest on the last job that they did before that, rather than going, okay, new challenge, new script. What can I bring that's different? What, how can I challenge myself? Mind you, you're always like like superly stunning. You know what I mean? It's like I don't, I don't know how I, I never thought people like you existed. To be honest, but like the, the people, <laughs> I do, I do find myself being a little bit lazy in lockdown. I'm not gonna lie, because it's no longer do I say do I look alright. I always say to the top half look alright. That <laughs> in my pajama bottoms. And then like, even like, you know, when you go out and stuff like that, you're always, as, as any kind of, anyone who has long hair, you always know, you always check the back of your hair. But now you kind of, you can bring everything to your front and have a, a really ugly parting in the back and just have your hair look really thick. It's just, I don't know if I quite like this half lazy lockdown, but you're right. When you're in a rehearsal room, which I hope we'll both be in soon, no, I really do. It's exciting to, it, it's not competitive, but you want to, you want to, again, you want to learn. You, you've got this piece that's been created by this, this masterful kind of, you know, writer and you want to just sink into it and see what you can get, get out of it. Because you're in something for such a long time that you've got to get something out. Otherwise, when you do a show again and again and again, it doesn't excite you. It's just quite it can be quite dull, can't it? Yeah, you can end up getting very bored. I mean, again, the industry, as we both know, you've just mentioned there, it's a difficult place at the minute, but it's always been a very difficult place for a woman, I think. I mean, you know, if you're assertive, you're a bitch or you're bossy. And there's always an assumption that we we gossip, you know, oh, we're gossipy because we're women. And then also that we might be a little bit weak or uneducated, do you think it's important as women in our industry to kind of really push the boundaries and stand up for ourselves? Do you know what I mean? Because I, 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 I do know you and, and the, you have a side of you that is so lovely and kind and like you never want to upset anybody. And I'm always the one saying to you, Jodie, stand up for yourself. 
we're often afraid of being labeled a certain way because when we want to stand up for ourselves, we're often frightened of the label of being difficult, being a diva, being a bitch, being bossy, whatever. And yet if we don't put our boundaries up, we often get taken for granted. And it's very easy in our industry, I find, as women, that we do, people try to play to the softer side of our nature. And it's hard, isn't it, when you want to stand up for yourself? It's totally, I, I, openly, I openly sit here, you know, um, in my top half done, comfy half bottoms, and I openly, I, I look at Joe, but I, I have been bullied. I've seen that. I, the thing, and I know you're exactly the same, you first meet someone, I'll give you the earth, I'll give you the shirt off my back, I'll give me the handbag, I'll just take a bit of money out so I can go get a sandwich. I do that, I, you give him everything. And then, sadly, there are people, and it can be a vicious industry, and I think this applies to all industries, where people can take advantage of that. And like you said, they take advantage of your softer side. And there'll be there'll be so much I take that, as you've seen. And then I love it. You're like, no, you're so supportive. And that's what I think is amazing. I think that's why we've always stayed friends, because we support each other, we support strong women, and we're not afraid of them. Because the more you support you know, the women and people around you, you get so much more out of it. And you've got, you've got, you don't have to fight. There's no need to fight because the more you support, you can create wonderful things. So yes, yeah, so there is a point I do go to. And there is, a, there is a point that only a few people have seen that when you cross me, it's that Northern women, you'll never cross me again. You don't take the mick out of someone because you treat others how you want to be treated yourself. And I do. I enjoy supporting, as as do you. And I think that's how we've got so far and got so much out of, you know, the projects we've all worked on. I think you're right as well in terms of um, it is still very important for us to have a, a point of going, no, that's enough. I will not stand for any more. I think we're seeing that across the world at the minute in various different formats, you know, in different different causes, different people needing to have a voice and needing to say enough's enough. And I think as human beings, we have to be able, we have to be able to all sit at the table. There's too much fear, as you just said there, where people get so fr- frightened of competition or they get frightened of like that you might get the job and they don't. And so they go out of their way then to kind of try and bring you down. And, and that energy really just leads to a lot of upset and, and it being very unsettled. Whereas actually if everybody just pulls together and says, you know what, we'll just build a bigger table. It's fine. We can all sit at it. We, we can support each other. I'll help you up. You come and sit at mine da, 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 and lead by example as well. So if that's how you would like to work with other people, then we have to put that out there, don't we? I Now, honestly, listen, we both think off the same hymn sheet, always have. And I think it's that everybody has a breaking point. And that is shown again with the Black Lives Matter. That is shown against, you know, that is literally echoed across the world, that you treat people how you want to be treated yourself. And when that breaking point comes, everyone, everyone's voice should be heard. And that's, and I think that's how we should always learn. But if we'd have just never done it in the first place, which gosh, if I could wave a magic wand, it'd be a wonderful thing. But it's not about never doing it in the first place. It's now about learning. And that applies to every aspect of work, every, you know, every industry. We treat people how we want to be treated and we can learn and we can grow and it can be a lovely, lovely world back to live in. So it's it's true, like you said, you know, we all have a breaking point, but we've got to do something about it. 
And learning, as you've just said there, you know, at, at the minute, our industry is, is a, it's scary for us that are in the performing arts industry or the entertainment industry. And I know it's incredibly scary for many different industries at the minute as well. Obviously, for us, we can talk about kind of what we know as to where in the thick of it. But I think what's been fascinating is that if you aren't afraid to learn and you're not afraid to put the graft in, is is learning new skills and having different creative outlets and, you know, business acumen so that you do create a secondary outlet. Because I think it's healthy for us to all have that secondary kind of like stream of thought or of, of process where all our eggs aren't in one basket because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've... we've <laughs> my, eggs, my eggs are in the back here because I've got about 40 <laughs> of them because my chickens are laying like mad. I wish you lived closer. I'd chuck you some over the wall. <laughs> I'm not even joking. When Jodie came to visit me last time, she literally brought me a full case of eggs and they were the best eggs I've ever had, to be honest. <laughs> they were amazing. But no, Thank that you. is exactly like you. Going back to, to kind of what I was saying in having the secondary creative outlet, I think it's very important for probably all people, I definitely think so for actors, you know, you've recently set up an amazing website, a mentoring website and during the lockdown called Vocal Home. And it's so brilliant because just tell me a bit more about the business, because I think for anyone who's an aspiring performer, it's an amazing place to go. It's a oh, thank you. Now, it's a brilliant business, but there's the downside of it. It's, I know we're saying it's always good to have all our eggs in different baskets, but there's no money made in it at all. <laughs> Obviously, with lockdown, the doors of the theatre shut. I saw friends being made redundant, left, right and centre. I was like, what can I do? How can I help? And then I thought, do you know what? You know, people are never given this opportunity to train one-on-one with professionals who perform on the Western stage or directors who direct on the Western stage or direct films. And so there is a hub of mentors. And obviously, basically what happens is the money obviously goes back to them, which is going back into the arts keeping them creative, keeping them motivated. They train uh, these amazing students. We've had some brilliant results, which has just been fantastic. And that's like singing, acting, presentation, it's a whole lot. And then we also raise, there's a pound of every single uh, session goes to acting for others. It's a, a charity I'm ambassador of. So it's, I've tried to create like a little circle of goodness. So everything just keeps going. And it's like mother hen, Jody just making sure she's looking after her chicks. But but this is what I'm saying. You've used this time wisely in the sense that you are benefiting other people and doing something for the greater good. It's going back into our industry. It's helping mentor students and also, you know, for the people, for the creatives who are doing the lessons, it's keeping them active as well. Yes. I mean, they literally are. I can't I can't thank all of them enough for doing it literally for nothing for what they usually, you know, they're usually paid in the industry. But again, it's it's inspiring a new generation of performers. And I, if I made Jodie sat at home in Blackpool, never really knowing what to do and how to get into the West End, had the opportunity. It was that part of me going, I want to do that for that girl that I used to know and give her, you know, the connection. So there's that thing of, and I do believe in karma. I do believe in karma. So I just think if I keep going and keep that drive, and it goes back to what we just said about being in it, being an example, you know, set the precedence. If, you, if that's what the kind of people that you want to work with or want to, to create in an environment, then it comes from you, doesn't it? You, you create that goodness, you put it out there, you put it into the world and hopefully the chain comes back and it repairs you positively. I mean, 
as this is a well-being um, podcast, there's something else I really wanted to talk to you about, which I still find so crazy when you told me this, is the fact that, you know, you won The Biggest Loser. I mean, I, I it still shocks me that you even, like, did the show. Uh, to tell me just about... I, listen, I think... I, I, I'm, I'm sat here in my really stretchy pants telling you this, realising that I still need to lose these stones for health. And for health. But I, if I'd never have done The Biggest Loser, I most probably wouldn't have been able to go for Nancy. And that's horrible to say because it shouldn't matter how you look like, what you, you know, what you look like or how old you are or fat, thin, tall, short, whatever. Uh, but also it gave him that, it did gave, it did give me, I should say, a great deal of health back. And that was also a lot of mental health well-being. But back then I was 22 stone and I watched the American final, The Biggest Loser, and they were applying for the English contestants and I went for it and it was all you have to stand there in a similar costume and, and turn around while well, we looked at you and I thought I looked really good because I had a lovely hairpiece in um I don't think they were looking at my hairpiece now I think I've still got my hair <laughs> no, that probably looks like a dead cat <laughs> I don't feel like a dead cat but it's that thing of going you know I had to put myself through that horrible that horrible experience of standing there in a sewing costume because I was so ashamed of myself and then getting what I got out of the end of it. And then when I ended it, was I too thin? I probably was. I'm like, now, do I feel too big? I probably do. For me, this is a side of you that, again, I'm, I'm intrigued to talk to you about because these are not the conversations that we normally have, to be honest, in this area. You know, we you've always, for me, seemed incredibly comfortable in your own skin and, you know, so incredibly charismatic beautiful stunning like everything you wear you look amazing in what was it back then that motivated you to take part in it was it was it the industry no no it wasn't the industry it was just it was it was for me I really wanted to lose the weight I'd done all the I'd I'd done all the diets I'd even gone I remember being a a teenager and trying these diet tablets that are out then and honestly that they sent me lupe I, I literally, my heart, my, my heart was going and I just couldn't go on this vicious circle anymore. And it's that thing of, I mean, people know about weight problems. I've got, you know, I've got clothes in my wardrobe that go from a size 10 to a size, you know, 24. And I keep them all. So I just keep going, keep going in the middle <laughs> of them. But it's that thing going, oh, one day I'll fit into that. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's a, it's the motivation. It's a thing. And only only recently, myself and Simon have been getting up in the morning and going, you know, really walking, walking the dogs all out in the back and stuff and doing all that. And that's just the start. It's not, it's nothing like what I did on The Biggest Loser, which was... I was going to say, tell me some of the things, what they did to you. Do you know what, Nat? I thought you go on those things, you lick, literally lick half a lettuce leaf and go to sleep and don't eat. You eat three times a day. And you just exercise like an absolute demon. And towards the end, I was I was doing three, four hours a day. I mean, but this is the thing with it. I always say, if I can do it, you can do it. And it's the same with the West End. If I couldn't stand on that stage, you can. You know, we are we. And I went from not being able to go up a flight of stairs to running 12 miles a day and going, you can accomplish anything you want. You know, the discipline that that show taught you 
was another thing that, again, that that work ethic that you have that has kept your career moving with such momentum. Do you think even though, yes, you know, weight-wise, you can be comfortable in, in different places with your weight, but the discipline that it taught you has given you something else, something that's mental, it's having mental stamina, which we do need for this industry in particular. I, yeah, we do. I think, I, I think sometimes, and I, I stand by what I say, I, I shock myself that the fire that I've got and the resilience that I've got and I think it's in us all but it's 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 sometimes it's harder to say that you've got it than to just kind of let it let it take over you and I it was never because I wanted to beat the other people because I, I love implicitly and I'm still in touch with some of the contestants and it's again the Nancy thing. I didn't want to beat them. They were they were beautiful girls and I'm just so apart from one she was a bit weird. But there was like <laughs> I'm so proud, you know, when I see Jesse and Sam and Rachel and Ashley and all the, 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 the brilliant is brilliant. So it's, it's not that to be the best and to be the number one, it's to be part of it and proud of what you do, I think. So I think I, I, I actually I did find, I found my old kettlebell. It's been a doorstop for about five years, but I found it, I found it. Do you think, Jodie, like like I say, I think you're an, an amazing role model anyway in general, just for, again, the, your work ethic and who you are as a performer. Do you think that in this day and age now with social media, the pressure of the way that people look, there seems to be two schools of thought. There seems to be like the school of thought, which is filters, face tune, all that. And then there's the other side, which is embrace everything, you know, be healthy, there seems to be two very strong opposing arguments at the minute. And I mean, how do you... How I, do you I'm really, I don't know. No, I'm really, sometimes I openly, I'm really confused by it. Because back, back in the day, as they say, back in the day, it was all about being thin and all you saw plastered across every single like magazine was, you know, diet, diet, thin, thin, like really like, you know, people that you just go, is she okay? You know, that's yeah. what you want to oh, God, away, yeah. okay. Whereas now we live in a generation, like you say, of filters. I mean, just, it's, I can look like, I can look like, you know, Cindy Crawford, give me five minutes. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but then I'm saying that I saw in Vogue, there was this go- gorgeous girl in a bikini, but I, I saw her as a, as a woman and she, she looked beautiful in the skin chin and she wasn't really emaciated. And, and that's, that's nothing against anyone who, who looks like that, but she, it just wasn't what I was indoctrinated to see in, in magazines. Right, and so I this is the thing. Brilliant. This is what I mean, Jodie. I remember having Sugar Magazine, and in Sugar Magazine, which was aimed bet- at, at girls between probably 12 and 18 or 17, and they had like full exercise regimes in them. And I used to pull them out and put them on my wall. every, And I would do them every day at 14 years old. And me and my best friend would try because that's what was we were conditioned to believe in that you had to be super thin to be successful, to, you know, have a career, to get a boyfriend, anything like that, which looking back now is just horrendous. And I just think there's been so many generations of women that have come through just recently, like, you know, probably from like the 70s onwards, 60s, well, because the 60s were very slender as well. So, you know, in the last 100 years, shall we say, last century, that have ended up with so many mental health problems because of what has been 
put out there in the media. I mean, there's so much more diversity in the media now, which I think is brilliant. And it's more helpful. You know, we're seeing people like Ashley Graham on the, the catwalks. and It's healthy. Yes, exactly. It's healthy now. That's what it is. It's healthy, you know, and it's something that we should all, I just feel we should all really get behind uh, because it's going to ruin. If we, if we don't get behind this, it's about celebrating and loving the people we are, and look, if, if I feel frumpy in something, I feel frumpy in something. And I'm okay to feel like that. You know, I, I laugh and I joke and go, oh, you know, you put, oh, don't worry, I'll put a set of spanks on. But it's that thing of going, if, if we want happier generations, we have to tackle this. And yes, you can put a filter on, you can put teddy bears and have stars twinkling down your head. But when all comes to all, you want to see a genuine smile. And that I think that comes from within, doesn't it? Definitely. And I, I feel as well, you know, we, we've both been in just about to go off to an event and both of us, you know, have ended up going, or I've been like, Jodie, I don't feel right. I don't feel right. You know, <laughs> we, yeah, but, we've t- but we each allow each other to feel what we feel. And I think that's the thing as well is, is letting other, embracing everybody and allowing each person, whether they're smaller, bigger, whatever, to feel in that moment, I feel a bit rubbish. And then equally on a good day, I feel absolutely amazing. I feel fabulous. I feel yes, brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It's um no, we're, we're human. We're human and we have feelings. And and it kind of when you go back and we you know, we're sat here talking, you go back, we have feelings. So when we don't support each other, there's backlash. When we don't respect each other, there's backlash. When we don't celebrate each other, there's backlash. So if we start doing all of those things, just think of the world we could live in. You know, we could wake up every day with a warm heart and just and live life how we should do. But, you know, we are in it. We are in this world that we do face kind of knockbacks and, you know, being called stuff. And it's finding that hard skin. You know, but supporting each other, and that's why you're an amazing friend. So I can't oh, thank you enough for being. Yeah, my lovely. But before we before we finish up, I just want to quickly ask you about all the amazing things that you've done. Which have held the most memories for you, whether it's for good or for bad? Uh, it's oh god, I'm gonna go. It's always a pride. Oh, do like the pride. Oh, the pride on my mum and dad's face when I won. I don't know. It sounds silly, but it was more for them than it was for me. And just just being surrounded by, you know, brilliant people like you and Neil. And I know we can't talk about it, but all we're doing, I'm just, I'm just proud. And I just, I love the world. And I just, I just, you know, yeah. Sorry, look at me. Sorry, look at the dad. Ah! Oh, and I did my mascara. I did my top off for you as well. But yeah, I think it was like having my mum and dad when I won that. And then, again, being able to rescue me animals, all of that. And you guys know I do. That's that's what I love. Oh, Judy. Nothing to do. This is nothing to do with parts. Is it? It's all about as long as the animals, family, friends are all right. I'll be all right. I'll be fine. But Judy, do you know what? That's where we started off right at the beginning. And I did say how much you love your animals and your family. And you know, and oh, I I, I'm, I can't believe this has happened again. This happens to me every week because I'm like literally in the middle of a brilliant chat. We've now run out of time for today, but. It's been so lovely to have you. And let me just tell you now, I am so proud of you. You know I am. You know, I literally like, 
it's been such a pleasure for me personally like we met as I said on the the set of Fat Friends the musical which was an amazing experience it was absolutely wonderful and I really did come away with, with friends for life you being one of them and so today thank you so much for joining me it's been oh, an absolute joy to have you and to you know let people into to seeing a little bit more of you and a different side of you and and I do think we've been very well behaved Jodie don't you? <laughs> I'm so shocked I've not sworn. <laughs> You've done ever so well. I mean, it could have been all very different. I've done really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you also to you guys at home for tuning in. We hope we've managed to keep you company and give you a really good excuse for a bit of me time. Don't forget, if you want to catch up with any of our previous podcasts, you can do so at the In Conversation page of our website or by subscribing to any of our podcast channels and YouTube. Don't forget to leave us your rates and reviews as we love hearing from you. And if you're in need of a fashion and beauty fix, you can also check out our regular wellbeing and lifestyle content at www.thecapsule.co.uk or by visiting our Instagram page. I will be back next week with another wonderful special guest. But today, all that's left for us to say is goodbye. So it's goodbye from Jodie. Hello. <laughs> See you later. And goodbye from me.